Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan. Welcome to Fried, the ultimate guide to burnout podcast. If you've ever been burnt out because of your job, your relationship, or just your life, this is the place for you. We will talk all things burnout by sharing deep stories of personal transformation each week with a new guest who vows to share their stories without leaving out the scary bits. This is raw, honest, and brought to you by acupuncturist and burnout coach Kate Denovan, whose own experiences make her determined to change the current burnout culture. Hi, fried friends. I wish you guys could have seen me last week because I was busy trying to put together the campaign video for the Bounce Back Ability Factors fundraising campaign, which is already in effect and already happening. And if you're on my newsletter, you know all about it. And if you're not on my newsletter, you will find out all about it soon. But please know that that campaign video um, was a lot of shots and I did them all by myself in my spare bedroom, which also acts as my office. And I definitely sing some Beyonce on the video. So you want to, you really, if you haven't seen it yet, you should go watch it. I will be sharing bloopers on my social media page soon because I really did some funny things during that video. And I'm really proud of how it came out, even though I didn't have the proper lighting and I don't know how close I should stand to the camera and I didn't have a professional working with me, but it was still a really fun, fun project. And I'm really happy with the way it came out. So if you've already seen the campaign video, please do let me know what you think. And if you have been called or you feel called now to donate to the campaign or purchase a reward that helps get me closer to my goal, please know that I am so, 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 so grateful to you. This is such a massive project for me and I never imagined doing something like this, this, this kind of undertaking, but it has been a wild ride so far and it will be a wild ride for the next few weeks as well. So any any little bit of support that you can give, whether it means donating, donating a dollar if that's all you've got or sharing the campaign on social media uh, or sharing it in your newsletters and sending it to your other female entrepreneur friends that you know, I will be so, so, so grateful for any help that you can give. And Please do go watch that campaign video just for a good laugh and to see me sing on video, which will likely never happen again. All right, here's this week's episode. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Fried the Burnout Podcast. This week, I am super excited to share with you the space that I'm about to share with Stacy Mitchell, who is a life coach who helps women with high-functioning anxiety. Insert raising hand emotion there. She helps women with high-functioning anxiety find their calm and live their most authentic lives. Stacy was trained at Rally Coaching Academy in Authentic Leadership Coaching. 
but also has a master's in counseling from Hofstra and a bachelor's in psychology from West Texas A&M. If you can't tell, she loves personal development and helping others achieve their dream lives. She's traveled to 22 countries and has even career coached Ashika, who is a Middle Eastern princess, which is super fascinating. And maybe we'll weave that into the story at some point. But Stacy, welcome to the show. I'm super excited to have you. We have been going back and forth on Instagram for months now. So I'm really excited to finally be having this conversation with you. I am so excited as well. Yeah, we have struggled to get a time on the calendar, but I am so, so happy. Super huge fan of the podcast. So just so glad to be here and to share my story. Great. So as you know, as a fan of the podcast, we start every episode by inviting our guests to share their burnout story. And I would like to do that with you now. So you can just jump in and and let us have it. Great. Oh yeah, that story, that burnout story. I think mine goes back way, way back to probably even high school years and not really knowing that I was burning out when I was burning out. Um, But I will not take you all the way back there quite yet. I will focus on something that I think surprised me, which happened over the last couple of years, which was I did what I thought I really wanted to do. And I went after a promotion at work and, you know, I was really hitting it out of the park at work at that time. And, and I was doing such good work and I was getting, you know, the accolades and all of it. And I was happy. And I was like, you know, the next natural progression is this promotion. So I went after it and I got it, which was amazing. But turned out to be a little different than I had expected. And I was suddenly uh, managing all of my peers. And I had mistakenly, I think, taken on this idea that I had to work so much harder. And I had to prove myself because all of my peers who knew me before, now I'm managing them and I have to come in and like, act like I know all the answers and that that I can lead them, you know, to success. And And I felt a huge weight on my shoulders and I started working longer hours because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And I was getting paid more and I just had the sense of obligation of, Ooh, my pay was raised so much. Now I need to work so much harder and so many more hours. And I started doing that. And and of course (laughs) that didn't work out so well for me. Um, My health started to plummet. My face was breaking out. I'm still healing my face actually from from all of this. And I ended up on a phone call with career coach in April and like a few months into my job and just bawling my eyes out because I was so unhappy. I was so unhappy with the work I was doing and things had not turned out the way that I had expected them to. And, you know, I did a lot of work with my career coach and something that kept coming up for me was this is a pattern in my life. And it really comes back to this mindset that I think I have always had, which is that underlying belief of I am not good enough. My achievements are what keep me lovable and worthy. And I need to work really hard to be loved and to be worthy and to, and to have friends and to, and to be successful. And that's the only way to do it. And I was tying so much of my worth into that, into the achievement that I couldn't even see like what I really, really wanted for my life. And, you know, as I dug deeper into this, I was getting into mindset. And at this point, I already had the the background in counseling and psychology, but it's so easy to miss this in yourself. It's so easy to see, like for me, 
I think I've been living my entire life with using like anxiety as fuel to do better and to keep going for more. And ultimately it was just, it led me to this burnout. And, and when I looked back, I could see that it was happening more than once. And I just, you don't know it at the time. I just thought I was exhausted and like would take breaks and I was able to when I was younger. But at this point, I, I knew I needed to figure a way out, if that makes sense. You know, during my career coaching program, I did, I figured out I wanted to be a, a coach and I started going through the training. And it was during that training that I was sitting there and I have never experienced anything like this in my life, but it was a group of people who I love so much. And hopefully they'll be listening to this um, at Raleigh Coaching Academy. And we were just so in it together so present with each other. And I left that the first weekend I had with them more calm than I'd ever been in my entire life, I think. And even like the trainer was like, you look like a totally different person leaving that training. And I felt like a totally different person. It came back to just to staying in the moment and being present and not constantly thinking ahead of like all of the things that I needed to do, but being with people that I, you know, ultimately now I loved and, and paying attention to them and being with them it just made such a difference. And I've been able to take all of that and kind of package that into now what I am able to offer, you know, my clients as a coach, because I completely understand how this can happen. Yeah. And you said at some point that your, your health started to plummet and you mentioned that the main symptom that was bothering you, that you're still dealing with that sort of aftershocks of, was your face breaking out? Was there anything else that was happening during that time or what was it just your skin and you were like, Oh, this is not okay. It was more than my skin. As you can imagine, I noticed that I started to have a lot more digestive issues and even in the midst of some meetings, it was almost as if my stomach was on fire. And I remember once like coming out of one and then like calling my dad later and saying like, I think I might be getting an ulcer. And luckily I didn't get a full blown ulcer, but he was like, I think, you know, you need to, take a look at your life, like something that you shouldn't, this shouldn't be happening to you. Right. So there was the skin, there was the, you know, the stomach issues, headaches started happening, sinus issues. I mean, I've, I've grown up with allergies in my life, but the sinus issues got worse. Just, you start to notice like everything seemed to be going wrong in my body. My shoulders were killing me. Like the typical, I think, stress response, which I've heard so many other people on your podcast also talk about, but it's difficult when you're going through it. Well, and it tends to build on slowly. So first, you know, you notice that you have a couple of pimples and then you notice that your sinuses are a little overactive, but you're forgetting about your pimples because you're thinking about your sinus. And then your stomach is on fire and you're forgetting about your sinus and your pimples because you're thinking about your stomach. And you don't stop to take an overall like photograph of what's really happening. There's no snapshot moment to say, oh, this is the whole picture. And the way that Western medicine is set up, you don't have the opportunity to do that with your doctor either. Like I found over the years that with acupuncture patients, when you come in for an acupuncture appointment, we usually have about an hour where we go through your whole body head to toe. And we would tell them things like, like the lungs and the large intestine are connected in Chinese medicine, which means it's really common to have sinus things and digestive issues at the same time. See, right. I have no idea. Right. <laughs> I mean, I just have no idea. Yeah. Right. So that makes sense to us. So when people come in and share this whole picture, we can say, yeah, but look at the whole picture and here's how it connects to itself. 
which is a whole different, I still missed things in my own body, right? Because mm-hmm. we're not really great at being objective to ourselves. But there's this sense of like separate pieces that happen because you just told us now all of the physical symptoms. But one of the things that you talk about the most and one of the things that I resonate with you the most on is is anxiety. And that's a symptom that gets worse during burnout as well. Right, right. But that's one of them is, you know, belongs to the mental health professional and one of them belongs to the GI doc and one of them belongs to the ear, nose and throat doctor and another one belongs to the dermatologist. Right. And none of them talk to each other. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I was not able to get, I would would just say I was not able to get really what I needed and in a Western approach. Like I actually really love my general practitioner, but you know, she's limited by the medicine that she practices and it's just very, very hard to give a full, like this is every single thing that's happening to me. Cause I'm sure everyone here has gone to the doctor and the doctor's like, tell me what your symptom is. And you feel like you just can't keep going. Cause they're like, really like keep just finish. <laughs> what is your yeah. symptom that you want to treat today? Right. Um, and so, yeah, it, I absolutely agree with you. Like we Western medicine is not the place to really like heal yourself when you're going through this. It's a very hard, hard place to be. Yeah. And then the other thing that you said that is an interesting way to say it. You said I used my anxiety as fuel to work hard. Yes. So then the question underneath that becomes, can I let go of my anxiety? And if I let go of my anxiety, will I still work? Absolutely. Right. And I think that, that it's funny because it's almost like a fear loop because (laughs) then you get nervous. If I let it go, am I just going to like laze around on the couch and not go after my goals? Like who am I without this anxiety in my life? Am I a totally different person? Yeah. And these are things you have to grapple with. Yeah. Pride fam, I tell you in nearly every episode that step one of your burnout recovery is blood work. And I know that a lot of you avoid it because it's a pain and because your doctor has told you that everything is quote unquote fine. And they refuse to test all the things that you think you need. What if I told you that you could test what you want, when you want, from your home with just a couple of drops of blood? Cyfox Health allows you to do just that. You can buy tests as one-offs or join a membership. Either way, you can test and track your results to help you make decisions about your burnout recovery journey. Get 10% off any membership, subscription, or one-time test kit right now. Go to cyfoxhealth.com forward slash fried for your discount. That's S-I-P-H-O-X health.com forward slash fried. Yeah. And it reminds me of, you know, kind of being in the body positive movement, you know, saying, I love my body as it is, but still wanting to work on it. And you're kind of in this place like, well, if I decide I love my body, am I going to have any motivation 
to do something. So what has your experience been then as someone who is working through their levels of anxiety and, and shifting it for clients? How does that shift? Yeah, I think um, for many people, it's, it's something that I've loved about your podcast actually is it's not just about the mindset and the thought work, right? And that is something that's really important to me. Like I love thought, I love thought work. I love, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. I've studied all of it, but at the end of the day, it's also about almost like creating these calm responses in yourself. And that takes practice. And I think for many people who are with high functioning, who are living with high functioning anxiety, like I am or was, it comes to scheduling times of peace and doing nothing because it's so weird in our culture to do that and and even doing that you need to work through it so I don't just say to my clients like <laughs> go schedule an hour and not do anything because that might make them really freak out but it might be you know what if tonight you take five minutes and all you do is sit and breathe and it's very in a lot of ways it is meditation right but sometimes it it, it works to to label it as something else right yeah um yeah. You're sitting, you're breathing, you're staying in the moment, and you're getting used to letting your thoughts pass by. You're not, you're not attaching to them. You are letting them go because you're, we're all human and we're all going to have thoughts that come into our mind. And, and you know, when anyone knows who's tried meditation knows that um, there's that moment where you're like, you just get bombarded, right? And you, you have to wait for the thoughts to kind of thin out. And even then, there's still some that just flow through and that's just the way it is. But uh, I think for someone who has been living with anxiety and maybe even not realizing it their whole lives, just the simple action of not attaching to a thought and not getting worked up into it is huge. And I think so many people could benefit from just that. And it sounds like the most simple thing but I think that self-awareness and being able to do that is one of the best first steps you can take before you ever start to like rewrite your thoughts or rewrite your story. It's yeah. just the ability to see it and to detach from it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I still do this. I mean, you said, am I high functioning or was a high functioning anxious person? I'm definitely still a high functioning anxious person. I have done so much work over the years and I am much, much better. And I can find myself when I'm in these moments and shift out of them. But my natural state is to still be highly anxious, Mm -hmm. especially in scenarios where I feel less safe than normal. Right. I think that's in some ways, like anxiety is a normal, healthy response. It depends on what it is, right? I talk about this a lot where it's like, there's there's a healthy amount of anxiety in some of us. Public speaking scares us because of the social component and we're social animals. And that's just, it makes sense. But the problem is when, you know, you can't get through a speech or when it's working you up so bad, you, you, you don't sleep the night before or you practice so hard and then beat yourself up whenever you don't do it 100% perfectly. And I think that's when the problem comes, right? And, and when you're living with that kind of high, it's almost like living from a place of low-level adrenaline where you're just you're constantly kind of swimming against like a current that's working against you because you're like trying to get further and further in and, and anxiety kind of pushes you back, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you had a post recently that I really loved um, that you said the three P's of high functioning anxiety that are perfectionism, procrastination, and people pleasing. Yes. And <laughs> it's interesting because I got a, I got a lot of responses to that and <laughs> it, it's something I laugh about. Like it came to me on an, on an airplane when I wasn't doing anything. I was just sort of like daydreaming. And I think so much like some of that comes to us when we actually allow our minds to to settle, but so few of us ever actually allow that to happen. But regardless, there were so many people that commented on that and wanted to know more and everything else. So I think it's something that so many people are struggling with and can see in themselves. It's using those to protect themselves. It's all, it's the three P's for protection, right? Mm -hmm. Because if I'm, if I'm people pleasing, no one's ever unhappy with me and you know, I'm lovable and that's great. If I'm procrastinating, there's nothing I can do wrong because I'm not doing it at all. And if I'm perfect, I mean, who can hate perfect, right? And, and what can go wrong if I'm perfect? Everything has to, be, has to be the way it should be if I'm doing things perfectly and nothing can go wrong. So it's, it's all self-protection, but it also keeps us so stuck. You know, we're stuck with, with not moving forward on something that might be really important to us because we're scared of what people will think. Right. Or, you know, scared of failure, which of course you know, is something that I think everyone fears, but with some, someone with anxiety, it's, it's so much worse. Yeah. And, and the um, idea that you might disappoint people and just sort of living through that is um, a huge challenge. You had your health plummet. You had all of these physical symptoms. You realized that you're a highly anxious person. You talk to a career coach and you end up in a coaching program, even though you've already done a bachelor's and a master's degree that are both based in psychology. Yeah. I mean, clearly I'm obsessed. <laughs> so it's funny because when I was deciding whether I wanted to be a coach, there were a lot of people saying like, you could already be a coach. And in a lot of ways I was, I was doing career coaching and that's, you know, something that was in my background, but it didn't feel deep enough and it didn't feel it didn't feel like exactly what I wanted. I wanted this coaching program to give me a different experience and to, and to teach me to go deeper with my coaching. And it's funny because I didn't think, I'm mean, just be really honest. I didn't think it was going to have the impact that it had on me. You know, I, I was like, I'm going to learn how to be a great coach, but I wasn't thinking this is going to change who I am. Right. I was just like, I'm going to be a great coach and I'm good. <laughs> Even though like I was going through all of these other things. That's definitely my ego talking, but it, it just had such an impact on me being able to like dig deeper into my story and things came up within that, that, that helped me along with, you know, the high functioning anxiety as well. Like certain questions that were asked of me and being able to speak up for myself. I, I had a, a really short session with someone, a practice session and it was about an issue just at home and I was feeling overwhelmed at home, which <laughs> happens. They were like, well, why don't you just like, ask, you know, it was a question. It wasn't this question. It was a better question, but <laughs> like, what could you do, you know, to make it better? And I'm like, huh, like I could just ask my partner like to do blah, blah, blah. And then I went home and asked and I got it. And it's so funny how like, it seems so simple. And so just like, why didn't you just think of that before? But it really did showcase like the power of coaching. Yeah, this was something that I had a hard time with, with coaching in the beginning. I did my coaching through apprenticeship. So I was working one-on-one -on -one with somebody 
through over the course of multiple years, I had a hard time accepting the depth of it because it was so easy. Absolutely right. And I kept thinking, I could read a book and get the same thing. These are just basic questions. This is really simple. Like, I don't understand why this is expensive and this and that. And I had, I had so many issues with the field as a whole. Absolutely. And it's funny how you, even when you're in it, even when you're experiencing it, like you were experiencing it and you yeah. were, it's easy to, I think your brain kind of tricks yourself into being like, I could do this. And a part of that, I think to me that I think is happening is some more self-protection, right? Yeah. It's, it's so much easier to hide away and not be asked the questions and be right. like, well, I could just read a book and have the same experience. Well, and I didn't want to need help. Yes. I can figure this out all by myself because I'm a smart person. But the fact ended up being that I didn't make the strides I needed to make until I sat across from someone. So right. And I think there's so much to that. It's the support. It's having somebody listen to you, which is so rare in these these times. I mean, just having somebody that's just there for you for an entire hour, that is a rarity. I think it's just, you don't even know the impact. And, and when I was in the coach training, a lot of times they would tell us, like, you may not know what your client is experiencing outside of the session. And then suddenly they come back and they have made all of these strides. And you're thinking like, I didn't do anything, but it really was much of the work that went into the session and like them thinking about that more. And it, you know, causes some of that action to happen and they know they're coming back to you and there's that accountability piece. And it's just funny how it all kind of, it works so well. And it's so easy still to be like, it's so simple. It's just questions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, that was really hard for me. And it was, it's a really good combination for me with Chinese medicine because Chinese medicine can connect all those different parts of your life. You know, it's easy for me to make those connections between things. So that was um, sort of a nice side effect for me to be able to do both sides. But even before I knew I was actually coaching, you know, before I started working with um, my coach in Poland, my patients, I have patients that write to me that I haven't seen since my first year or two of practice. I started practicing in 2007. I got an email three weeks ago that said, I'm still thinking about the lessons that you gave me when we met. That's incredible. And I was yeah, like, you were I was then. <laughs> Well, and I was 24 and I was dumb and I didn't know any, no, I wasn't dumb. I don't merely mean that, but I I was not, I wasn't any sort of like, I had, of course I had a master's degree in acupuncture and I was doing my job, but there's something about an honest curiosity about someone else's life and asking people to look into things that breaks things open in a way that will literally change you forever. Absolutely. And it's that pat it's seeing those patterns that I think so many of us we can't spot in our own lives, right? It's like yeah. we have we all have blind spots that are right in front of us. I just finished working with with a life coach and 
I, I was able to make such strides. And it's so funny how you don't see the things that you're doing. Cause like the people pleasing came up a lot for me. Yeah. Um, perfectionism came up a lot for me and it's like, well, I was over that, but you're never, I mean, if that's a pattern for you, it's very, very hard to get out of that pattern and to even sometimes see it in yourself. Um, especially if it's something that has been well-worn over years and years and years. Yeah. And when you think about the impact of being able to see those and actually change them, that that is life changing. Yeah. And what, so what you said is the, the pattern that you noticed was that I'm not good enough and my achievements make me lovable and worthy. So do you remember when that started to unravel and what did that look like slash feel like for you? Oh man. (laughs) (laughs) I had some inklings, you know how you always kind of get some glimpses of it in your life and I didn't pay attention to it. Yeah. So I think when I was in college, it came up when I, I, I went to therapy. I've always been into, you know, all of it, but I was in therapy and my therapist had asked, like, well, what do you do for fun? And this was college. <laughs> and I was just like, fun. Yeah. I, 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 it's just, it seems like the craziest thing in the world, but I was just like, I don't have any idea. Like, what does that have to do with anything? Right. It's yeah. what does fun have to do with it? <laughs> right. Because I was all about how do I get to, because in that moment in my life, I was like, what do I do with my life? And how do I, you know, get to the next step? She's like, you need to have some fun. When <laughs> I, I saw it. So that was there. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, young, <laughs> not taking it, not taking it to heart. And then years later, I, I didn't go to grad school right away. So I went to grad school later and my mentor at that time, we'd gone to breakfast and he was like, he was like so what do you do for fun? And I was again, <laughs> again, it was like, um, uh, and it's so embarrassing when you're like, I, I don't have fun. Right? Like it's, just, yeah. it's an embarrassing, embarrassing thing to say. And for years and years, fun was not even something I thought about. And it's only really more recently that it's become something that I try to like, you know, intentionally add in my life. And I think some people think that's kind of a crazy thing, but whenever you are this person who is tying your worth to your achievement, fun is not, it's not on your radar. You're just like, how can I get to like the next thing? And unless it tied back to work, it didn't matter. Like fun didn't matter to me. Yeah. When I I was getting, sorry, I was getting these signs, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. When I first got to Argentina, which is where I met my husband, Um, so I was still one year out from finishing my master's program and I was in, I went to Buenos Aires for two or three months and, um, I was just taking a break from my master's program. I saved my quarters for my bartending gig and I, I went down there and it was really, really hot. It was January when I was there. So it was middle of summer and it was super hot. It was like so hot that everyone was melting. Like everybody that was staying in the hostel was like, the only thing that we need to know is who is going out for ice cream because we're dying. And I felt so guilty not doing anything. Like I'm here, I'm only here for a few months. I have to check off. This is, this is super American too. Like I have to check Mm -hmm. off all this list of things that I have to see in Buenos Aires that I like prepared, you know, three months in advance and like a crazy person. And my husband, like then not even boyfriend at the time, just a friend, was sitting there and I said, well, what are we going to do today? He said, I don't know, sit down. (laughs) (laughs) 
And you're like, what? What? (laughs) I was like, I don't understand what you mean. And he was like, why don't we just sit on the couch? I said, but what does that accomplish? And he said, why do we need to accomplish something? And I was like, because life, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to live another way, right? <laughs> yeah, I I totally feel that. Yeah, It's only recently that we started, and like I've been married a while, and it's only recently that we started taking vacations and being really mindful of not packing it full of stuff. Because it's so easy to be like, we're going to do all the things, and you're more tired from the vacation than you even were before you went on the vacation. So I totally, I feel that. Yeah. You went to this life coaching program and you started to unravel this stuff. Yeah. And you sat across from, you know, somebody and asked you about fun. And then you sat across someone again and they asked you about fun. How? I didn't, yeah, I didn't yeah. get it. <laughs> yeah. So how did you end up getting it? I think through a variety of ways. I think sometimes people are like meant to show up in your, show up in your lives that are, that are supposed to teach you things. And there's someone that I work with who's a bit of a hero of mine and she has more fun than anybody I've ever known in my entire life. <laughs> I mean, really like she is always out having fun, always on trips, always like she is just, she's incredibly busy, but really, really happy. And she's got, um, three kids and, and she's got a crazy, crazy life. And, uh, but she's just always having fun, has such an optimistic view of the world. And I, I almost feel like she was placed in front of me every single day as like the showcase of your life could be this way. Like you could insert a lot more fun into your life if, if you wanted to. She's, she's got even more in many, many ways, more responsibilities than I do. And, you know, she's out there and she is living her life in this very almost magical way. If you're going to try to describe it. Right. Yeah. But how do you put fun into your life? Yeah. Yeah. So I now am doing so much more with friends, right? So it's something I'm an, I mean, I'm still in some ways an anxious person. I'm still a planner. I still love to be organized and that's who I'm always going to be. So I'm not ever going to be at least at this point in time, I'm not going to be the person who just drops everything and like goes, goes out and goes dancing. Right. Yeah. That's not my norm. So now I focus on planning things out and being really intentional with, you know, this looks really fun. I'm going to do this. And an example, it doesn't have to be huge. I saw it was in October, like they were doing a Beetlejuice movie party and I love the movie Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. So I sent it to a couple friends and I was like, I really want to do this. And so we scheduled it and it was a blast and we had a really, really good time. And it's just small things. It doesn't have to be huge things. Like I don't have to be, you know, like going on, you know, bachelorette party weekends or anything for me to be having fun. But I do really like every single month, I intentionally pick something that is just for fun. Like it is not, you know, cause I love to learn. And so there's this feeling of like, well, I'm going to take this class. And I'm like, well, I do want you to do that. Like, it's not that I want you to stop learning, but let's also think about like, well, what would actually be fun, right? Is that a fun class or is that a, like you're moving towards a professional goal class and there is a difference. Yeah. So I I've gotten a lot better about differentiating and actually like scheduling something fun every single month, 
and something small, fun, like every week, which could be, I mean, it could be anything. It could be just like reading a fiction book, right? Instead of all of the self-help books I love to read so much. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I actually had to contend with quite a bit because I read a ton and they're almost all self-help books. And it took me a long time. I mean, I read outside of that too, but I would usually read something when my husband read it and said, this is a good book. Like it almost was like I needed the permission from outside to say like, take time to read this book. I really like doing puzzles. Yes. Because it gives my brain space to function where I'm not working. And that's really important for me. But when I have something out, like right now in my life, I would say that I'm like doing fairly well, but things are more stressful than they will be in six months, most likely, simply Mm -hmm. for the fact that I just moved internationally and I'm still building a life and I don't have a practice that's fully booked yet you know, an acupuncture practice in the city, which means that my income is not where I would like it to be, which means that. So when I'm, when every time I find myself in a place where I'm not fulfilling those sort of societal norms that make me feel safe as a highly anxious person, my anxiety goes up and my levels of burnout go up. And I have to remind myself on purpose, like you're saying, I have to schedule in doing something. Like before we hopped on our call today, I stopped and did a puzzle for 45 minutes because I had been working for like seven hours straight. Absolutely. I said, okay, like slow, Katie, hello, but I have to still do it on purpose. Yeah. And I, I imagine that for me, it's a thing that until maybe it becomes a habit, it's going to be something I have to intentionally seek out. Yeah. Having fun. Yeah. Uh, And I know for some people that's hard. I'm sure there's going to be people who listen who are like, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) But I'm sure there's also going to be a lot of people who are like, yes, I totally understand that. Like it is possible to like insert it into your life. And it does make such a huge difference on your mindset and the way that, you know, you just feel and the energy that you have. I will say this too. I didn't mention this, but you know, you probably know from following me on Instagram, but I do have a a mini Australian shepherd. Yes. Super cute. He is amazingly cute, but also has a lot of energy. So I really, for me, like worked to be really present when we play. Yeah. And it's turned into something that has just been like, it's so much fun, like playing with him. And so (laughs) that's like an easy way for me to get get a lot of fun into my life. It just feels good. Right. Yeah. I'm still taking care of my dog, but it's just, it's really fun. And it's a game. Yeah. Yeah. My husband and I talk about that a lot, that she makes us laugh. Our dog makes us laugh every single day. And now the podcast listeners will know who she is because they could hear her barking in the background before. (laughs) Um, We we love our animals. (laughs) And we do love our animals, but that definitely makes life more fun. And it is also one of the reasons that we came back to the States, not because life in Europe is not fun, but because we were... In when we were in Poland, we were with my husband's friends at least. So we had some people around us and we had fun on a regular basis. But when we moved to Prague, we didn't have as big of a community and we didn't have as many opportunities to just have relaxed fun. Like the most fun thing for me, the most relaxing thing for me is to be at my home or someone else's home and just sort of chill and laugh with people. Like that's my favorite. 
I don't need to go do anything. I don't really need to be anywhere. I used to be an extrovert, but then I talked to 50 or 60 people a week for over a decade. That'll do it. (laughs) You know, like, I can't, I don't want to go to, um, I, sometimes I do. I love a, a well-crafted cocktail, but I don't necessarily want to go to a bar where I have to shout over the music to hear you because that's not the kind of conversation that I'm trying to have anymore in my life. Like that's, that's just not. That is so true. And I think that brings up a good point of like, what is fun for you might not be fun for other people and not to get caught up in this idea of like to have fun. I need to go out right? You don't have to go out. You can, you can stay in and it's just as much fun. Yeah. For me, fun is dog, nature, friends, family. 100%. Yeah. That's my list. That's my list. But I also have, um, someone that I've talked to over the years who has high functioning anxiety. And this was something that came up when we were doing some talking. I said, but I said the same exact question, well, what do you do for fun? Like what's, where's the fun? Mm-hmm. And she stopped and she was like, fun. And then a couple of weeks later, she wrote to me and she said, I don't know that I know how anymore. Yeah. I said, well, you're oh, going to yeah. have to learn. It's like and riding I, a bike. You got to practice. Yeah, I, I see people with this and it, it's all an experiment, right? Because yeah. what, as I just said, like what's fun for one person may be just terrible for others. Like I don't enjoy the bar scene. Like I never have, it's just not something that I'm super into. And like, if that were my experiment, I would be really disappointed. (laughs) I just used to drink a lot. I thought that I liked it, but it was mostly because I was not actually present because I was on my fourth drink by the time I got there. Right. I mean, yeah, the numbing out of it does make it at least bearable, right? Yeah. But for so many people, I think like there's this preconceived notion of what fun is. And, and it really is. If you don't know how to have it anymore, it's all an experiment and just seeing what feels good. Right. And that does take time. But I think once you find the thing that energizes you and leaves you feeling like it's, it's almost like a deep satisfaction, right? Like after you've had a lot of fun, then you're like, OK, I get it. And how do I get more of this? Yeah. Well, and I think usually the, the thing that I usually guide people to when you're, when, where you find that space, because it does happen a lot with burnout too. People forget how to have fun. Like we don't know how to engage the pleasure and joy functions of our life and body. Like my word for 2020 is pleasure because I know it's something that I still have to work on. But when I'm talking to people about fun, I usually ask people what they enjoyed as children around the ages of six or seven. Like, pick five of those things and try them as an adult. Probably at least two of them are going to stick. That is such great advice. That's that's a really, that's, that's good. Yeah. And when I think about myself, I'm like, what did I like at six or seven? But I love to read. And and I think of like (laughs) silly, silly books that I read. Um, But I I love to do that. And it's just, and I love my, my pets too. So it all does come back to like, it all does come back. Yeah. It's, it's funny how it's, it's a circular (laughs) in some ways. Yeah. It all does come back. So now you're in this place where you've identified these patterns and maybe sometimes you're more anxious and maybe sometimes you're less anxious, but probably similar to me, like when you notice it, you can do something about it. So it's not as, it doesn't control your life anymore. That's right. Yeah. 
which is the shift, I think, like, like you said before, like all of these things are a practice and everything is sort of, it's not like you get to the other side of it necessarily. It shifts and it changes for sure. It does. And you never know, like, I, I think for a very long time, I was managing my anxiety very well. And as I said, like, I think the promotion just like kicked something off, yeah. right? It, it, it made everything off balance that can happen. Like you can think like I've beat this and I don't need to be as worried about this. And then suddenly you're like, Oh yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't see this pattern or I, I really hadn't, you know, fixed this like I thought I had. Yeah. I spent this whole year, actually I started last August, the August of 2018 and I didn't finish until August of 2019. So I spent an entire year writing a book about burnout And one of the sections, or not many, multiple sections, but here's how and why you burn out. And I started, you know, reason number one, reason number two. And as I was healing myself, I kept finding more reasons. And I was like, this book is going to go on forever (laughs) because because I can't stop anymore. And I got to a point where I feel pretty solid about it, but it wasn't until I started doing episodes for the podcast that the idea of trauma and burnout came together for me. And I was like, okay, that rounds me out for book number one. And that's where I need to sort of end it because that covers so many things. But it's a constant exploration. And I'm doing really well as far as burnout is concerned right now. But burnout is the thing that happens to me. Mm -hmm. And I know that about myself, which means that when I am off track, that's the direction I'm going to be going in. Right, right. Absolutely. And, and at least now that you, you know, you've done all this research and you've really, you've seen what it does to you, you can manage those signs and symptoms and say, right. Oop, like I'm off track Yeah, and, and I can get back on track. And I think it's very similar, you know, both with burnout and with anxiety, when you start to see, you know, suddenly I can't, I'm not sleeping as well. Right. That's usually one of my key indicators yeah. is like, Oh, something is, off and yep. I need to, I need to take a, take a moment. Yeah. Yeah. I start with, um, neck pain. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I start with neck pain. And then when I, I, once I fall asleep, I'm okay, but I have a hard time falling asleep because I get into the, uh, following the thought train. Oh yeah. And all, all the way to Crazyville. Right? <laughs> uh, all the way to Crazyville and back. You know when you yeah. used to like dig a hole in your yard as a kid and be like, if I dig all the way through the earth, I'm going to get to China. Like that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. With my thoughts. I have been there. Yes, definitely. That's what I do with my thoughts. But now one of my favorite things to do in those scenarios is to put my headphones in, put on Insight Timer, which is my favorite free meditation app choose a body scan slash yoga nidra. Yoga nidra is the original term for body scan and body Mm -hmm. scan is what the Westerners have chosen to call it. And that is my preferred method because I need to do something that's body-based and guided so that someone else's voice is in my head telling me to relax my toes and relax, you know, the hair on my legs and relax my leg bones and whatever else, you know, like I need someone to be telling me step by step to like shut down here, shut down there, shut down there. And usually sometime during it, I do fall asleep. And I know that about myself so I can do it now, but you know, that takes living through it and figuring it out. 
Right. You have to try so many things until it actually works. Yeah. And it's funny that you said that because there's, I can't think of the name off the top of my head, of course. Um, but there is a podcast that's just someone reading like very, very like boring stories. Yeah. Sleep with me. Thank you. Sleep yeah. with me. And it's that has been very helpful to me. Yeah. It's <laughs> awesome. Like super monotonous, calming voice, reading stories about like anything and everything and nothing. Yes. And I mean, like five minutes in, I can just be out because as long as you focus in on it, it's like, this doesn't make any sense. And boom, (laughs) there you are. (laughs) One of my patients suggested that when I was still in Prague and I was like, this is genius. Yeah. When I used to have to travel for work, that was something that I would use a lot with the jet lag as well. And, and with the anxiety of traveling for work, which is something that, you know, I think a lot of people experience. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your days like now? Like what's your day to day right now? Sure. I mean, I do my day to day. I'm still in my job. So, I mean, just showed it going to show you that like you can, you don't necessarily have to quit the job you're in to, you know, to start to manage your anxiety. I was able to, um, put in way better boundaries with myself really (laughs) more than anyone else, but, but with others too. And um, also able to add components to my job that weren't there before that I was really missing. And a lot of that, I had to have really tough conversations with people and ask for things. And it was something that was uncomfortable for me. And I really think that's where the coaching came in very handy because we were able to practice a lot of that stuff. But um, can you give us an example of something that you had to ask for and how you went about doing it? Sure. So, I mean, I don't know if this is an ask for, but it's, it's a really good example that I was very uncomfortable with. I had like double promised myself, basically, we're going to call it that. So I had asked actually to do the coaching course for my job because I was suddenly managing all these people. It's authentic leadership coaching. And I said like, Hey, is this something that you'd be willing to put me through? And they were amazing enough to say, sure. So that was an ask in its in itself, right? When part of that was able to, I was able to showcase like how much it could help our people. Then I was able to add that coaching component to my actual work, which was something that was really important to me. So those were kind of two things, like just with the one ask of me being able to do this course and they were able to, you know, pay for it and let me take it. And the second thing that I think was a lot harder for me was asking to get out of something because at the same time that I had said I would do, I wanted to do this coaching course and got it approved. I also said I would do something else, um, a different kind of leadership training. And it was at a conference and it was during a really busy time. And a few weeks in advance, there was just a lot going on in my life. You know, my sister who's chronically ill was having a lot of issues and I did not want to go. I was feeling on the edge of just freaking out, (laughs) you know, and I just really, really didn't want to go, but I felt this sense of obligation. And so I was working with my life coach then. And I said, like, I don't know, like at the moment, it was almost like I didn't have a choice, right? Like I wasn't giving myself the choice of getting out of it. Right. And she was like, you do realize like you do have the choice not to go. And I'm like, you know, and I had to have some coaching around that. Right. Yeah. And I finally was convinced, like, I am an adult and I don't have to go to this. And it was a tough conversation, but it also, I was just really honest. I went to, you know, my supervisor who is amazing and said, 
there's just too much on my plate right now. I just, I cannot, I don't think I can manage this. And I told her like all of the different things that were happening and she was in total agreement. And it's funny that I was just like shocked, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cause you put these stories about other people in your head that like, they're going to be so disappointed in me. And this is something I have to do. And I said, I was going to do it. And we're so hard on ourselves. And when we just step outside of ourselves, no one else is, you know, having that story about you. Yeah. They're seeing you as a human being. And I had some people come up to me later because they found out that I wasn't going. And there was almost a sense of like, you've given me this like yeah. gift of being able to say no, right? Yeah. <laughs> and being able to get out of something that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was tough, but also like what a learning opportunity for me and for, and for other people. And for everybody else. Yeah. When I um, ruptured my Achilles last summer, I had a, a talk planned, a burnout talk planned. And it was planned for the day after my scheduled surgery. And my initial response was like, well, it's the day after surgery. Like I can just sit down. It'll be fine. Mm, yeah. What? No, my best friend who luckily was my, one of my very closest friends um, who was doing this workshop with me um, and sponsoring the workshop. She was like, um, what would you tell your client right now? What are you right. thinking? Like what? No, we're canceling this. We're, we'll choose another date. It's fine. But I was so horrified to think that I had to disappoint people even though I've done this work before and I've worked through disappointing people and I've had these difficult conversations and I've done these things, but there, for some reason, this thing made me feel like, oh my God, these people are just going to be so disappointed in me. I literally had surgery the day before. That day after surgery, I was so loopy. It would have been a really funny talk. <laughs> they would have enjoyed it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like it would have been a riot. Because I'm funny on a normal day. So that would have just been like, you know, but it was Good, also but. an hour and a half away and my husband works full time. So it's not like he was going to be able to drive me. I thought that I was going to like drive myself on pain meds an hour and a half one way and give a 45 minute talk. Like what? No. So we do get stuck in this loop. Yeah. It's an excellent example of how like we kind of can't see our own thought patterns, right? <laughs> and how, how crazy they can be sometimes. I was like, everyone's going to be so disappointed. And everybody was like, oh my God, you're having surgery. Are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. What do you mean? <laughs> Absolutely. And honestly, like I hear examples of things like this all the time. Oh, yeah, me and too. it's like, what, what, what are we doing to ourselves? <laughs> I know it's so mental, isn't it? it so is. you're still working your job, but you're feeling much better. And Definitely. you're running this amazing Instagram profile and you're also doing some coaching. I am. Yeah. So as you can imagine, I have to be very careful. Yeah. <laughs> I, cause it's, it's something where it'd be very easy to run myself into the ground again. And so I have to have a lot of boundaries around the business and I've gotten to where it's like certain times of the day I do not work. Like right. I just, it's, I have times where it's like, nope, not doing any work. I'm just doing whatever I want to do. And that can be whatever it is, but it took some time because yeah. that again is your, it's habit, but also thought patterns and everything else that goes into that. 
based on some of the reviews that we've gotten on the podcast and a lot of the messages that I get on Instagram, which by the way, you guys, if you do want to get a hold of me, follow at Fried the Burnout Podcast on Instagram and message me there. That's like the absolute best way to continue the burnout conversation. That's where I love to do it the most. And that's where all the good conversations are happening. But when I get messages there and there's so many people that have said after listening to some podcasts, oh God, I didn't realize I was burnt out. Oh God, I didn't realize this, but now because I heard this, you know, et cetera. So if there's somebody listening today that was like, I had no idea that perfectionism, procrastination and people pleasing were, you know, signs of high functional anxiety and, oh my God, I think I'm an anxious person and I had no idea before. What would you tell them? First, you're not alone. Like this is something that I think so many people are dealing with. And the scary, scary part about it, I think, is that it's it's almost hidden in so many ways because you're still able to live your life and you're still, you know, achieving so much generally that it's it can get hidden. Like you, you don't see it or other people don't see it and you feel very alone and, you know, you're not alone. So that's the first thing I want to say. And I would say secondly, like I, like Caitlin, I am always available on, you know, Instagram and that's the best place to reach out to me. And I do, you know, free consults and I'm always happy to talk people through what they're dealing with right now. And my Instagram handle is just Stacy Mitchell. And I have even just like free resources for you. I, I have a free meditation I've recorded. I have, you know, some other resources that I can send to you as well. So I am always here as a support. And it's not just about the business for me. It really is about the deeper message of supporting people with this thing that can really be something that has been driving your life and you're just ready to be out of the like loop of exhaustion from it. So please reach out to me if, if you're feeling this way. All right. Well, Stacy, I am so glad that we finally got around to having this conversation. Me too. It was excellent. So, so glad I was able to have it with you. And I'm so grateful, so, so grateful for your very precious time and the energy that you spent prepping and being ready for this and showing up for everybody and being present. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm just so grateful. And same to you. Uh, love, love the podcast. Love all that you do. And you know, just so glad to be connected with you and to have been invited here. So thank you. Yay. All right, everybody, that wraps up another episode of Fried the Burnout Podcast. As we both mentioned, both of us are mostly active on Instagram. So if you want to be in touch with us, please do follow us. My Instagram handle is at Fried the Burnout Podcast and Stacy's is Stacy Mitchell. It's Stacy with an IE. I will put these links in the show notes um, just in case if you're having a hard time finding us, but I don't think that you will. And if you need anything, please do be in touch. This is what we literally live for. Until next time. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Ain't gonna burn ourselves out no more. Got each other on our side, plus all the folks at Fried the Burnout Podcast with Kate Donovan.